a reading from Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 39. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sebechthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come, take him to, come, come to take him. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that our minds and hearts be turned towards you towards the great suffering that Christ took on our behalf. Lord, we pray for 
a right understanding and a right feeling so that we may serve rightly as well. Please open our hearts and minds to this passage, to your word, by your spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the suffering one who would come and take our affliction upon himself. And in Isaiah 53, he describes him in verse 7. He says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What does it mean that he did not open his mouth? We know that he has said words. He said words to Pilate, and he says, has seven sayings from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He says to, to the thief beside him, today you will be with me in paradise. He says to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read also that he cries in a loud voice before breathing his last. Yet never at any point do we see him opening his mouth, speaking a word in his defense, or to, to prove his innocence, to rebuke their evil, to refute their scornful errors. In all of these ways, he is silent. He does not open his mouth. We will look at these ways that he does not open his, his mouth by thinking about how he is not trying to reduce the pain and punishment that he is taking. He's not trying to avoid it in any way, and he's not trying to end or reverse this terrible punishment. It can be easy to, to read this passage and be overwhelmed with pity for our Lord as though he is a helpless man being overcome by a strong government, a strong enemy. But I would suggest that our emotion of pity should be tempered with awe because this is our Savior who was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And we cannot forget who he was, who he proved himself to be all his life up until this point. By opening his mouth, he healed lepers and made the blind to see. By opening his mouth, he raised Lazarus from the dead. By opening his mouth, he called the wind and seas to obey him. How easy it would have been for him to open his mouth and cause an end to all this torment. And yet he does not. He does not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Firstly, we see that he does not open his mouth in order to reduce his pain. He does not bargain with his tormentors. 
He does not do anything to make it slight, to make it less. Go easy on me. I don't deserve this. In fact, we specifically see that he refuses a cup of wine mixed with myrrh. This would have acted as a painkiller. Myrrh was used to treat battle wounds of soldiers. It was used uh, topically on the skin to treat sores, to fight inflammation and pain. This has been used for generations and generations, and it's been replaced by things more recently like morphine. Um, But even in the past decade, there are medical papers out showing research that myrrh does have pain-killing properties to it. And so in offering him a cup of wine mixed with myrrh, it would have been a bitter and terrible taste, but it would have taken away part of the pain of his suffering. And so Jesus knowing what it is, refuses this cup of wine. He takes the full pain of punishment. He does not open his mouth to receive it. This pain is unshared by us in any way. He has taken the full blame, the full account of punishment for sin. We do not get to earn part of our salvation because he has left nothing undone. The one who heals the leper and restores the withered hand did not need this painkiller. He could have taken it, but he did not. And yet, he could have spoken a plain word. He could have opened his mouth and caused the pain in his own body to stop. He could have avoided it all. After all, isn't it the wicked who deserve pain and punishment? Not the innocent and pure Christ. Not the sinless one. Yet he bore it all freely. We should see this and think, yes, our Savior is mighty indeed. He took the full load of pain so that we would not. He left no part of salvation unearned, no portion of the penalty left to take. He did not open his mouth. We also see that Christ does not open his mouth to silence the scorners. How much scorn did we read in this passage? He was physically mocked by the soldiers putting on a robe, a royal robe upon him, and mashing a crown made of thorns twisted together upon his brow. And they handed him a false royal scepter, a reed, to hold. And they saluted him like they would salute Caesar. Hail, king of the Jews. And they bowed down in false homage to him. And then they took that read from his hand and slapped him around with it. People passing by, we read, say, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourselves and come down from the cross. The scribes and priests said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. 
Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified beside him were reviling him. How difficult is it for us in a situation where someone is accusing us or reviling us or saying something untrue about us to not speak up about that, to not immediately correct them, and if we're particularly clever, to put them in their place. This would have been easy for Christ. Think of how many times he did that to the Pharisees, that they were left speechless by his words. And yet he keeps silent. Imagine having infinite wisdom and wit and having the ability to show them that they're wrong. And yet he keeps quiet. The scorn and shame of those terrible words are laid on him and they are not taken away. He could have even shown them his divine nature, like he did in the transfiguration. He could have shone like lightning before them. That would have shut him up. He could have spoken a word and truly destroyed the temple right before their eyes with an earthquake. Yet he opened not his mouth. He bore the the contempt of a liar, a fraud, and a wicked sinner. He bore that shame so that we, who are guilty, would not have to. So in our pity in reading about our Lord, we cannot neglect to be in awe of his great Restraint. He is not weak, but mighty. His power is not absent, but restrained on our behalf. The priest said, he, he has saved so many others, and yet he cannot save himself. And that's not true that he cannot save himself. It's true that he saved many others. But he chose not to open his mouth to end this undeserved torment. He saw all sorts of physical torments in addition to the scorn. He was beaten, slapped in the face. He was scourged. He was nailed to the cross. And he was pierced through. He was made helpless before them in his human nature. They took his belongings, stripping his clothes. The, very, the only things that he had were taken from him and dispersed. He does, yet he does not open his mouth to end this torment, not leading up to it, not in the... the kangaroo court that was before the the priests and elders when they brought in false witnesses not before Herod, not before Pilate, never did he say, no, don't put this on me, no, I'm innocent, take it away 
not after the pain had begun, after his hands and feet were pierced with nails and supporting all his weight upon them, having to add pressure to those very injuries just to breathe. Christ was innocent. How could he not cry out, No, don't do this. I'm innocent. Stop. He doesn't. He opens not his mouth. And we can be sure that the one who speaks and the wind and the sea obey, he's not overpowered. The one who opens his mouth and the dead come to life, he's not overcome. The one who walks on the rolling waves and who shines like a bolt of lightning. He is not overwhelmed. With a word, he could have come down from that cross as they taunted him to do. With a word, he could have reversed their places and brought judgment upon them instead. But he did not open his mouth. He didn't open his mouth so that he could take the penalty of sin upon himself and show his abounding mercy and love to us. There's a line in the song, How Great the Father's Love for Us, that says, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. There is no strength of a metal spike or a Roman soldier that would keep him there and constrain him. But it was our sin that held him there. Even more, it was his love that held him there. His restraint that held him there. For you and for me. How easy it would have been for Christ to overcome these pains. Overcome the pain. Overcome the scorners. Overcome that judgment that was placed upon him. He could have left it all behind by opening his mouth and uttering a single word, and he did not. And so, we do not pity the Lord like a helpless man overcome by evil but as the Lord our God, whose very word could have freed him from pain and sorrow and turned his torment upon his tormentors. And yet, he withstood the blows and scorn. He stayed nailed to that cross in anguish until his dying breath. Friends, he has done this for you. He's done this for me. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his stripes, we are healed. He opened not his mouth on that day, so that today he can say to you, Repent and believe in me, and your sins will be forgiven. He did not open his mouth on that day 
so that in the future he could open his mouth and say, well done, good and faithful servant, as he welcomes us into paradise. And so in awe and thanksgiving, let us go to him in prayer. Oh Lord, your suffering was not small. We cannot imagine the torment, the scorn, the injustice of bearing the sin upon yourself. But Lord, we thank you. We are in awe of your graciousness, of your restraint, that you did not open your mouth, but you bore the punishment for our sins. And so we lift you up, Lord. You are our God and Savior. You left no sin unpaid for for the one who calls upon you.